You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wow, just so much happening over the weekend. 47 points from Olin Depot as he leads the Pacers past the Nuggets in overtime. You have the Toronto team that nobody's talking about. They are 17-7, second in the East. You have the Pelicans who have to play a lot of the end of the game without uh, without Boogie Cousins in the in the lineup, but they have Drew Holiday knocked down 34 points in their win over Philadelphia. It, it was a great weekend of basketball, and then you have the the Timberwolves, of course, with another win over the Mavericks, 97-92. They are now 16 and 11. They are the fourth best team in the Western Conference. Mitchell Hansen is on the line, one of the contributors for the Timberwolves on the zone coverage site. He also covers the links. Mitch, what are your thoughts just overall, the takeaways from the NBA in general this weekend, as well as the Timberwolves win over the, a tight win over the Mavericks? Yeah, it was, you know, it was a fun week, weekend of basketball, like you mentioned. Um, You know, it's, it's a a cool time you know one thing that that you mentioned was was Victor Oladipo and that that story in Indiana I think that's a great story with you know how everything that they've overcome kind of you know getting getting rid of Paul George over the offseason and bringing in Oladipo and you know what what he's been able to do for that team and what that team's been able to do in general is is pretty pretty special and pretty fun to watch but um, no I agree it was it was a fun weekend of basketball and it was it was kind of a a fun weekend not to do anything and just kind of watch all the games. So that was, <laughs> that's always a good thing when, when that, when that happens. But, um, talking about the Wolves, you know, it was, you know, I, I kind of feel like we've, we've said this before, but, you know, it was, it was one of those ugly wins again for, for Minnesota. But it, you know, like, like we've said before, it's wins a win and, and you'll take them, take them any way you can. But, um, you know, and, and, uh, give credit to Dallas, you know, they, they've been playing well as of late, um, you know, but, but this is a game that, Last night was a game that you know Minnesota. As the season goes on, you'd like to see them kind of handle a little easier. But no, it's it was a win, and um, you know it it wasn't pretty by any means. But but wins a win, like I said. And then we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the Timberwolves game here in just a second. But we talk about the the solid basketball, and I think the knock on the NBA the last couple of years. You heard guys like Charles Barkley say this, where there the knock is that there's only a few teams that have the chance to make or to win the the championship you have uh the the warriors the cavaliers outside of those two teams there's not a lot of teams that really are vying for a title and i think the counter to that argument of why you watch the entire basketball season is you have you have a lot of teams who kind of do some unexpected things from season to season throughout the entire regular season that make it fun to watch you have the pacers doing unexpectedly well toronto is knocking out games you have milwaukee who are up an up and down team detroit's a surprise team washington trying to fight through that john wall injury and then in the western conference you have portland playing well new orleans keeps winning games oklahoma city has all this talent but they're just outside of the playoffs utah's in the playoffs minnesota is surging despite some up and down play you have the denver nuggets who have started to put things together over the last month and a half or so to be in one of the top teams in in the playoffs and in the Western Conference. So you have a bunch of talent around the NBA. Uh, unlike football, or yeah, unlike football, they they don't kind of eat their own superstars with the amount of injuries they have. 
so that it makes it fun for every fan base to kind of have a couple players that are, are really fun to watch just from everybody's standpoint. You don't have to be a homer to enjoy watching a bunch of these guys play. And, and you have on any given night, you can have a different team win a game no matter who they're playing. Uh, the Warriors have six losses already, which I know isn't a lot, but by Warrior standards, that seems like a lot. And so these teams are beatable throughout the course of regular season. And even if not everybody can win a title, you can win a game night to night, and so that makes the season fun, and that makes basketball fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, to, to your point, you you were talking about how you know you have those 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 groups of or maybe a handful of teams that are serious title contenders. You know, for instance, in the West, you have Houston, Golden State. It kind of seems like you have everybody else right now. Um, so I mean, you do have you still have those, those that separation, but but like you said, there's talent spread all around, and you do have those teams from you know, with the, the three seed down to maybe, you know, 10 or 11 that, you know, they're fun to watch and they, they, you know, they're, they're pretty evenly matched to an extent right now, at least. Um, so, it, you know, it is, it is fun to watch. And, and, you know, there is it, it, the thing about the NBA is there, there's a, a ton of storylines. I mean, you, you have, you know, maybe the Lakers aren't as, you know, they're not as good as they, they used to be, or they, they don't have the talent level, but they do have the storylines. They have Lonzo ball, they have, you know, magic, everything surrounding that team. So, you know, you have they have or you have a uh, OKC like you mentioned, where you know they they don't have things figured out right now, but you know, everyone's kind of waiting for that to happen. So there are there are a lot of you know uh, pieces around the NBA that are very intriguing, and I think that's what makes it so fun to watch. Is you see those two teams battle, you see Minnesota OKC battle, you see how fun that matchup is, you see the potential that that matchup could bring down the road, and that that's what makes it fun. And you know, even if you do have the teams where you know, like Golden State where everyone's kind of, or even Cleveland in the East where, uh, you know, everyone's kind of expecting them to, you know, run away with things as the season progresses like they have the last few years. It's still fun to watch everything else and how it's, see how everything else unfolds because you really don't know. Um, I mean, you, you, many people, you know, have their predictions of, of like I said, what, what's going to shake out at the end of the year. But, you know, seeing all of that unfold is what makes it so fun to watch. And I, like you said, with, with the talent spread all over the place, I think that, you know, that that's, that's a big plus for the NBA. And, you know, I think that that helps with even just the, maybe not the basketball junkies, but even, you know, just the, you know, general basketball fans, they're going to tune in to watch those games because they're aware of those storylines. So that, you know, that moving forward, that's, that's nothing but good things for the NBA. And I think it's, it makes it even, even that much better to watch. Absolutely. And so now let's, uh, let's turn the show to, to the Maverick game that the Timberwolves, won the other night uh again 97 92 they beat the Mavericks for the third time this season uh, a couple of things I want to put the Jimmy Butler on the back on the back burner because I think we're going to spend the bulk of the show on on him and what's been going on as far as his scoring over the last uh week or so so I want to put that on the back burner outside of Butler one of the things I took away 11 three-pointers made from the Mavericks it seems that now the defense is at a point where they're just going to give up quite a few three-point shots and they're going to give up quite a few made three-pointers. And they have to beat teams with second-chance points, with points in the paint. And that's just that might be a trend even as they get better over the season. But that seems to be where they're at right now is you can they're going to let you shoot from three. And they're gonna be they're gonna find a way to beat you in other ways, but teams are gonna be able to shoot from three, and that's just what you have to expect from other teams yeah. going against the Wolves now. Yeah, exactly. I you know I I do think that they and we we have seen this more. I think over the last couple of weeks is they're it, it. I agree. It does seem like they're basically 
willing to live or die by how, if a team's hitting threes. Um, so I, you know, I do think that, I mean, you look, you, you take away, you know, five threes from Dallas, this isn't even a, really a close game. You know, I mean, that, that's how, how big of a difference that that can make. So, you know, if they do catch a team on a bad shooting night, that's, you know, that's a, a great thing for Minnesota, but, you know, we have seen those numbers, those three-point numbers creep up and not just makes, but, you know, they shot 31 times from three. That's, you know, that's something we've, that, that's a trend that we've continued to see from, from teams that Minnesota's been playing over the last, you know, mainly this year, but over the last, you know, couple weeks specifically. So, um, I mean, you know, Minnesota ended up hitting seven threes. I mean, they, they kind of, they didn't obviously didn't make 11 threes like Dallas did, but, you know, they, they did hold their own and that that's a good sign from Minnesota offensively. But, you know, I, I agree that, it does seem like they, you know, they're they're going to live or die by how the, how the other team is shooting, and if they're, you know, they're making threes from beyond the arc. So, um, you know, I I think that they, you know, a, a big focus has been, and we've seen this over the last last stretch uh, in, in the last couple of weeks as well. Is a focus really has been put on, um, you know, uh, rebounding specifically, and in you know the second chance points, and that was that was a big thing again last night that that we saw from from the Wolves. I mean, they had. 20 second chance points and they had 40 points in the paint and you know they they out rebounded um they out rebounded dallas 36 to 27 so they're taking care of things and they're taking care of um you know in in different areas in the game and you know i i think if if that means that they're giving up 11 threes you know that that's okay and if they're if you know if they are you know handling teams and all those other areas i think they'll end up doing all right in the end well, that's the the other thing too. When you're watching this game, is it's not like against the Clippers when uh, when Austin Rivers and Lou Williams really went off from downtown. It was a bunch of guys who who knocked down threes. You had Harrison Barnes who had shot forty percent from three point range. Uh, Keebler got fifty nine percent from three point range. You had Dirk with forty percent from three point range. Uh, Barea with four with fifty percent. You had a bunch of guys just knocking down three point shots, and so that's that's just the way you go, it's going to be against uh, the Timberwolves, I think, for at least the next month and a half, two months, maybe the rest of the season. And t- Timberwolves fans to just kind of get used to it and kind of get used to this team having to do some other things on defense because that's what they're going to give up shots-wise. Uh, outside of that, Jamal Crawford was the other thing that really stuck out to me. 16 points. He shot 55 or 66% excuse me, from the field. He had three three-point attempts, made two of them. He just looked great all night. Yeah, I, I agree that they need the Jamal Crawford that they had last night. The Wolves do, um, especially you know with Bealita being out right now, um, you know them having a, a three-man uh, bench basically right now. That that that's a big plus if Jamal can come into the bench. That that you know that everyone's been talking about you know the minutes for the starters and you know the minutes creeping up with with the starting lineup. And if if you have a player like Jamal or even I like the way Gorgie was playing too, specifically in the. Um, uh, second half like defensively but if you have players even you know if it's Jamal or if it's Gorgie or if it's the whole you know the whole bench if you're having those players play well that eases up things in the starting lineup and that makes it a little easier for Tibbs to throw those those bench players out there especially in you know late in the game or in the fourth quarter like Jamal uh, you know is usually playing um, but I, you know the the fact that Jamal was playing last night is that's a huge plus you know and, and that eases up too you look at you know Andrew Wiggins had had 10 points and um, didn't necessarily play that well. He didn't shoot well from the field at all. Um, you know, Jeff Teague wasn't really on his game last night. So if you have a player like Jamal that has the ability to step in and play like he did last night, um, and not just throw up shots like you know that we've we've kind of seen from him in the last you know the, from the season in general. But 
um, when they have a guy like like Jamal or even Gorgie that are that can come off the bench and give good minutes, um, you know, I, I think that that is nothing but good things for Minnesota, and that that eases up the the minute restriction or not minute restriction, but the the, uh, the amount of minutes that that the starting lineup is is getting. And that in the end, I think that that's going to be the the biggest thing, um, especially late in games. Is you know if you can save guys' legs and kind of you know save their energy towards the end of the game, and you know that. That that all stems back to the bench, and I think that last night they they really did play well, and they have, they have been playing well recently. So that's that's great news for Minnesota. No, yeah, I like that he played 19 minutes. I really like that. I uh, just a correction is 55 percent he shot. I misspoke 55 percent, not 66 percent. Just to clarify there, uh, is it a little concerning to you that there was 21 lead changes in this game? Um, I, I mean, I don't it. it Kind of to an extent, um, you know, it kind of seemed like it was one of those games that that we've seen in the past from Minnesota, where it almost it felt like, you know, Minnesota had control for most of the game. It was just Minnesota to make a run, and then you know Dallas would come back, hit a couple threes, and then it's you know that they would re retake the lead, or JJ Barea would take over the game somehow. Talking to the officials like he was in the fourth quarter, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, they ended up. I don't. It was one of those games where where Minnesota would would push away, and then you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe Minnesota's going to make a run and kind of you know put this game away, and then Dallas came back. I mean, you, late in that game, specifically in the fourth quarter, um, when we were talking about three pointers for Dallas, I mean, they they were throwing up a lot of threes in the fourth just to try and get back into the game and stay in the game. So, um, it, it is a little concerning to an extent that you you would like Minnesota to. I'd like to see Minnesota kind of put the game away when they do get those leads and not, you know, not let Dallas back in or whoever the opponent may be, let them back in. Um, but it was just one of those games that was just, just going back and forth. And it, it, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a, a good game. It was entertaining to watch, but you know, eventually you'd like to see, especially when you're playing a team like Dallas, you'd like to see the Wolves kind of, you know, when they do get that, that five, six point lead, kind of, kind of pull away and kind of put things away late in the game. Yeah, try and clamp down on a team, especially a team like mm-hmm. the Mavericks. Uh, we're going to discuss Jimmy Butler and his scoring and th- unpack that uh, really in-depth analysis on that after these messages. All right, so the the scoring from Jimmy Butler has hit a pretty intense uptick over the last five games. I have I have gathered some stats. I've gathered some stats for the people. Let me get them out here. So in the first 20 or over the course of the season, Jimmy Butler has had 12 games where he has topped 20 points or more. In the last four, he has hit five of those games. So in the last, f- or in the last five games, excuse me, I, I got that backwards. In the last five games, he has hit <laughs> four games where he's had 20 or more points. His average over the last five games is 25.2 points per game. In the first 21 games, he is averaging 16.7 points per game. Now, that huge jump in points first of all what do you think that says about the mentality that Jimmy Butler is approaching basketball games now versus through the first 21 games what what do you think has changed for him I I definitely think he's he's becoming I I don't want to say that he wasn't aggressive in the first half of the year but you know or the first part of the year but I think right now he's starting to just take over um but you know, especially in the you, you think about the fourth quarter as well. I mean, obviously he's averaging twenty five point two points per game so far in December. But you look at fourth quarter numbers alone, he's averaging you know ten and a half points in the fourth. So I mean, he he's definitely he's their go to guy late in games, and he's he's been that 
that guy all season. And I, I think that that's great news for Minnesota that he has that sense of urgency that he needs to, when he needs to take over, you know, take over a game. Um, and, you know, when, you know, when a guy like Wiggins is struggling or, you know, Towns had a good first half last night, but he, you know, if he's not continuing that progression or that, that, that production in the second half, excuse me, that Jimmy has the sense of urgency to take over a game. You know, that's really something he's been doing over the last five games, um, you know, here in December, averaging 25 points. But, you know, he, when, when we go back and we, we uh, when he said that he was going to, we were going to see a different player from him offensively. After that point, really, we have seen that different player. And, you know, he, he has really taken over games. And it's not just scoring. I mean, he's, he's you know, improving defensively. You know, he's he's statistically his numbers, you know, rebounds are up, his assists are up. Um, you know, he's improving in every, every area of the game and that, you know, that's great news for Minnesota. And, you know, I think that that's just a, a credit to who Jimmy Butler is. And, you know, I think at the beginning, it was just trying to figure everything out as, as well as it was for every other guy on the team. But I think it was just kind of figuring out who's going to play in what rich role at what point in the game. And I think they've started to figure that out. And I think that's why you're seeing an increase in, in Jimmy's numbers for sure. Now, I, I really love Jimmy Butler as a player. I really like that he because I think the difference between a, a real leader and just a really great player. I was talking about this with uh, the host of the Locked On Jazz, the David Locke. He called me up yesterday. I did a, a quick segment with him on the Timberwolves uh, that will go on the Locked On NBA show, and we were talking about why Jimmy Butler is a leader for this team. And I said he, he's a leader. Because he's not just a really good player, he's a great player who makes players around him good. And you see him play multiple different roles throughout the season. At the beginning of the year, he was a playmaker. He was doing all the stuff that other players don't necessarily want to do, making other players great when they're by allowing them to score and picking up the slack in other areas and being a great defender. And now when the team needs him to step up and take over games, he can definitely take over games. And you see him, he has not had a game in December where he has played under 40 minutes, 41, 40, 40, 43, 41 minutes. He's stepping up, he's playing huge chunks of time, and he's taking over games, particularly in the fourth quarter. But here's the negative effect. Oh, sorry, one, one second. No, sorry. One second. I, I got some more stats. I, I went crazy this morning. <laughs> over the over the season, Wiggins has had tw- 13 games where he scored 20 or more points. But in the last five games, he's topped 20 points just once. And in the last five games, he's averaged 14.6 points per game as opposed to 19.6 in the first 21. So the effect of Jimmy Butler really taking over games scoring-wise is it's killed Andrew Wiggins' production. Is this a good thing for the Timberwolves? I, I I mean I like the way that you know things are working out right now. I I like that. For me personally, I like Jimmy Butler as as when you're picking between him and Wiggins. I like Jimmy Butler as the the, the scorer, and then Wiggins is in the supporting role. I think Wiggins Wiggins works well in that role. That you know he's not forced to do too much, but he can if he wants to. You know he he can take over a game if you know if Wiggins has the hot hand. You know, Jimmy obviously would step back and you know let Wiggins take over, um, but you know the the big thing with Wiggins recently is he has really struggled in finding his shot, and I think that that's maybe some of the you know the increase in Jimmy's numbers is because of that maybe feeding into that a little bit that you know Wiggins is struggling from the field, and so you need somebody else to take over. So Jimmy Butler has been that guy that's kind of taken over, and Carl's you know Towns has been doing a good job with that as well recently. 
But, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily hurting Wiggins per se, but, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing with Wiggins, he's got to figure out, you know, his shot and he's got to figure out his game while, you know, coexisting with Jimmy Butler like they have in the last, you know, for basically the whole year, really. But, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that really, you know, the numbers-wise, it's, it's not been great for Wiggins recently, but I don't know if it's so much feeding into, you know, Jimmy Butler taking over rather than it is just Wiggins trying to figure out his own game and, you know, obviously trying to figure out his shot because, you know, he, he hasn't, hasn't been playing that great as a blade. And, you know, obviously you'd like to see, see him, you know, knock down some shots and, and, you know, continue to do or see what we've seen from him this season. Um, but you know, it, it, they, they, Wiggins does have some stuff to figure out. And I don't know if that's trying to figure out how he's going to coexist with Jimmy Butler still, if he's trying to still figure that out. But, um, you know, that, that's something definitely that, that Wiggins is going to have to address and the team is going to have to address for sure. Well, here's the other thing too, that I was thinking about over the weekend is if this continues and Jimmy Butler is not only dominant to the point where he's nearly single-handedly winning this team games, but Wiggins also can't find a way to pick because Wiggins is a guy who I and I really love Wiggins, but he's a guy who needs to he he needs to kind of shoot himself into a rhythm uh, more often than not. And when Butler is controlling so much of the offense, he doesn't really have a chance to shoot himself into into a, a hot streak. And so if this continues over the next month, month and a half, where Butler is effectively not only just taking over games on the scoring side, but effectively doing it to the success of the Timberwolves, and Wiggins can't jump out of this slump because of it, does that put him on maybe a trading block, maybe a little bit of a trading block if the Timberwolves have a chance to go after a guy like Nerlens Noel or DeAndre Jordan, somebody who's going to really help an area where the, the Timberwolves struggle, namely defense on the glass, and he he's kind of one of those guys who maybe now you look at it, maybe you don't necessarily need Wiggins as much as I would say some people argue you need a DeAndre Jordan on this team. I think that I, I I'm still on the you know in the area that I think it's still too early to you know think about trading Wiggins. Um, obviously, next year they're going to be making a huge commitment over the next you know how many years of of him being a max player. But you know I, just the the potential that Wiggins holds. That's the only thing that's holding me back. Um, you know, it's in. I would obviously like to see him continue to progress. I mean, that's you know that's something that you obviously need to, to need to see in order to become more comfortable with that. But you know, I, I still think it's a little too early, and and I think that you know the wolves are kind of in that same boat that they're they're hesitant in they they want to wait this out and kind of see what player they have. Whether if they're having this problem, you know, at this point next year. I definitely think that you need to start not necessarily worrying, but you need to start, you know, trying to figure something out and, you know, asking yourself if, if Wiggins is the guy that you think he is or that, that you want him to be. But, you know, I, I still think that, you know, they, they need to wait a little bit. Um, and I, I think if they, you know, were on that fence, they would have maybe, you know, when the Kyrie stuff got brought up this off season, maybe they would have explored that a little harder or pushed that a little harder. Um, so to me, that's that's a sign that you know they they're still waiting this out and they're they're committed to Wiggins this year. Um, but I, I think if you know within whether that's next year or the year after, I think if if they're having this problem um, and they're still having trouble winning games or they're you know they're missing a piece like like say you know a, a DeAndre Jordan type player and say he's available, 
then maybe you, you could explore that a little bit and, you know, kind of kick the tires on the possibility of that. But I think he still waited out a little bit. Um, you know, and I, I think Wiggins, you know, Wiggins, uh, you know, he, like you said, he needs to, he needs to shoot himself out of this. And, and once he can be that consistent, you know, you know, once he figures out a shot and can be consi- that consistent threat, I think that, you know, the Wolves, they, they having Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins both on their game is tough for teams to stop. And I, I think that's what intrigues, you know, Tibbs uh, when, when thinking about this team. And I, I think that that's, that's why Wiggins should be here. And, you know, I, I, I agree. Or I, I think right now that, you know, it's still a little too early, but I guess you never know when you, you never know when, when it comes to, you know, the money that they're giving Wiggins here in the next, you know, few years. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge Wiggins guy. I'm a huge Wiggins supporter. I really think he can develop into a, an all-star level talent. But at the same time, there's a lot of pressure on Thibodeau, on Tibbs particularly, after they kind of let him control everything and go out and build this team to be producing. And the defense is not nearly where people thought it would be already in the season. And so there, there, it's just it's something that could be in the back of your head that, well, maybe if the Clippers come knocking, and this is one of the guys they asked for to get a guy like DeAndre Jordan into into Minneapolis. That might be something they're not necessarily super opposed to, or they're not they're not willing to to exactly shut down the talks because of it. Uh, we're gonna get to to Mitch's love and hate, what he loved, what he hated from the last week of basketball. Right after this, so Mitch, every week yeah. you come on Monday. You tell us what you loved, what you hated from the last week of basketball. What is it this week? All right, last week we started, I think, with love. So we're going we're gonna to switch to hate and uh, end on a, on a high note. I love it. So we're starting with, I, I wouldn't necessarily say hate. Hate's a strong word. We're going to go with kind of, I don't love this part. <laughs> um, we're talking about uh, Nemanja Bialica, you know, and, his, and his, his foot injury that you know he's had in, in missing the last nine games, that mid, uh, foot sprain. I'm very concerned with 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 that, and you know, it it, it seems like you know it, it's kind of taken a little, it's taken a lot longer than than what everyone anticipated, what everyone expected, and you know that that, that you know that's very concerning, especially with you know the the way the Wolves uh, you know bench is is shaped out right now, and you know Shabazz isn't playing at all. Um, you know they they have a three man rotation coming off the bench, and you know Bielitsa was a was a big part when he was playing in that second unit. Um, so, you know, it would, and he was playing well as well. And he adds a lot to the team specifically from, from three point range and, you know, what he can produce, uh, from behind the arc. But, you know, it, that, that's a very concerning thing to me. And obviously, you know, it, the longer that this continues and the longer that he is out, you know, that, that, that's the, you know, the concern grows with that. So it's hopefully, uh, you know, they hear some positive news out of, out of Bielitsa in the next, you know, a handful of games even, um, so they, they, they definitely need him back and it, you know, he is a big part of that second unit and the team in general, um, switching to switching to love. Um, you know, we talked about this a little earlier, but I, I like the, the way that Minnesota's continued to, you know, attack the offensive board. Um, you know, I, obviously Todd Gibson's been a huge part of that and he's brought a lot in that area to this team this year. Um, you know, they're seventh in the NBA in offensive rebounding, which, which is huge. And that, that leads to second chance points, which, which, you know, for Minnesota, that, that allows them to maybe, you know, shoot a couple more threes and kind of figure things out from behind the arc. So I, you know, they're, they're third right now in, in, in second chance points as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, 
I, I like the way that they're, you know, attacking the offense boards and in the way that they're attacking that area. Um, you know, that that's, you know, you think about it last night, they, you know, they had, I believe it was 22nd chance points and that, you know, that's, if they don't have, if they even have 10 of those points, you know, that's, they lose the game. So, I mean, that's, that's huge for Minnesota. And I think that if they can continue to do that, um, you know, Taj, like I said, Taj is a big part of that. Cat's been doing a, a good job on the offensive glass as well. You know, if they can continue to do that, that's, you know, that'll be great things for Minnesota. And that, you know, that, that you know, that, that, that ends up being, um, you know, the, the difference maker in the end of the game. And I think that that's, you know, that's that what they've done in that area is great so far. Well, there you have it. You heard it here first. What you, the Timberwolf fan base, should love and hate from the last week of basketball. We'll be back here again next Monday, bringing Mitch on to talk more hoops over the weekend, as well as his next segment of Love, Hate. Mitch, thanks for coming on and brightening another Monday for us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. This has been another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.